0: So last week, you remember we left off in Acts chapter 1 with Matthias being selected to be the replacement for Judas to complete the 12 apostles. And we learned about making godly decisions. And then uh, this was in in the wake of the, the apostles waiting for the coming Holy Spirit. So now today we pick up in Acts chapter two with the day of Pentecost, which in other words is the day that the promised Holy Spirit came to dwell with all those who believe. One and two. It says this When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. So we have this scene of the believers together. There was a sound like rushing wind. We've all heard this. A sound of rushing wind, right? You remember about 10 years ago, Superstorm Sandy hit? Do all you guys remember that? The violent wind, that the worst of the storm, of course, hit right in the middle of the night. So we're all laying in our beds at home thinking, like, what's going on? Okay, what tree came down? What's flying off my house? What's that sound I hear? That sound of rushing wind is very scary and is very unnerving. So I would imagine the believers, although they were waiting for the Holy Spirit, remember, as I said last week, they didn't know what this was going to look like. They didn't know what was going to happen. So I would only imagine as they heard this rushing wind, this sound like a rushing wind, they were a bit taken back, maybe even a little bit scared. But the question is, why wind, or why does it sound like wind? Why does the Holy Spirit come like wind? And I think through a study of the scriptures, it's reasonable to connect the wind aspect to the breath of God. Now, going back to Genesis, we're going to take like a little, uh, you know, kind of side road here, okay? So going back to Genesis, God the Father was creating Adam. He created Adam, and do you remember? Adam didn't actually have life until God breathed his breath of life into his nostrils. This was the act of God creating and then giving life to Adam. So what I want to do is I want to turn our attention to a very famous account of a Pharisee named Nicodemus who went to Jesus because he was intrigued by the miracles that Jesus was performing. Jesus uses this opportunity to actually tell Nicodemus about how he can receive life. The account is in John chapter three, verses three through four. Jesus answered Nicodemus, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So Nicodemus was really confused because the, the language that Jesus used is he's like, you have to be made alive. So this born again phrase, or made alive again, Nicodemus was scratching his head. He's like, I'm already alive, okay? What's going on here, Jesus? What are you talking about? So Jesus answered him and said, truly I say, truly, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is is spirit so the birth that jesus is actually talking to nicodemus about is a spiritual birth that a person receives when they trust in jesus now jesus didn't go to the cross yet at this point when he was speaking with nicodemus but we know on the other side of the cross that we are all sinners in need of a savior jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins three days later rose from the grave to prove that he is god and the scriptures teach us this all who believe will have eternal life, or all who believe will be born again. Okay, we are born-again Christians. Okay, many of you don't introduce yourself as a born-again Christian because there's a lot of negative connotations to that. But the truth of the matter is, is we are born again. We have spiritual life now. So then Jesus says to Nicodemus. He says, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So now Jesus uses this wind illustration, right? You know the wind's there. You know the wind's there. You feel it. You hear it. But you can't see it right and you can't fully understand where it comes from or where it goes i mean granted we know low pressure systems and stuff like that and the gradients and all the heat and stuff create the wind but let me ask you a question do you know where it goes you're like yeah that way right okay (laughs) do you know where it ends up do you know where it dissipates we don't fully understand the wind so now what is the connection here what's the connection here the Holy Spirit, in the account of Acts here, when as we're studying, comes like the wind to bring new life to all who believe. So now we have the benefit of knowing God creates us, gives us physical life, and gives us physical breath. But when we trust in him... We have the breath or the wind from God, the Holy Spirit, which guarantees the eternal life that God promises. Because the Spirit comes and lives in us. You see, before we trust in Jesus, we're actually physically alive, but spiritually dead. We're actually physically alive, but spiritually dead. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Now, all the believers... Are receiving in the scene. All the believers are receiving the Holy Spirit. And part of the validation of that for this specific time was this. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them, rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now the second symbol we have here to deal with is this. Fire symbol. We're going to deal with the issue of tongues in a few minutes, like what this speaking in tongues is. But first, I want to talk about this fire symbol. Now, the first thing that we know about fire is fire actually brings light. Fire brings light. Let's see. Okay, most of us, you know, now living where we live and the time we live in, A light switch brings light, right? Okay, but back in the day, if you wanted light, you needed a fire, okay? You needed a candle, you needed a fire to have light. We need light to see in darkness. Do you realize this? The world, excuse me, the world can be a very dark place because of sin. People can get so consumed in their sinful ways that they live in darkness and they can't see the truth. And accept the truth. See, as believers, sometimes we get frustrated because our friends, our family members, they don't seem to get what we're saying. Maybe we talk to them about the Lord, they don't seem to get it. They don't seem interested in the things of God, so we get frustrated. But I would suggest to you, instead of getting frustrated, we need to rest in the fact that it is the Holy Spirit's job to work on them. Here's what Jesus says the Holy Spirit will do to bring light to people that are in darkness. Remember, the Holy Spirit is working on people, not just believers, but working on non-believing people. And this is what Jesus says. Jesus said in John 16, 8 through 11, talking about the Holy Spirit, says, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So let me explain this a little bit. These these verses teach us the Holy Spirit convicts people that do not believe yet, okay, that is working on the unbeliever. Convicts of sin because they do not believe. That's what Jesus says. Meaning they're dead in their sins and there's no way that they can be free of their sins except through Jesus. Convicts them of righteousness. Jesus was a living example of righteousness in that day. And then he says, well, you'll see me no more. Well, the, the Spirit's job now is to remind people and to point people to righteousness, how to live, how to be obedient to God. That's the Spirit's job. Convicts concerning judgment. Jesus speaks of the ruler of this world. That's Satan, okay? For right now, that's Satan. And at that point, he is free, at this point, he's free to deceive people right now. Satan and his deception will be brought to an end and the Holy Spirit helps people to realize and recognize sin, and that sin is not from God, it's, it's evil, and it will ultimately be judged. This is a comfort to us as believers, right? We look at this world and we see this sinful place and we see darkness and we wonder, will this ever end? Will there ever be the gauntlet thrown down? Will things be judged? And the truth is, they will be, they will be. So the Holy Spirit illuminates the truth for all people, not just believers. He lives in believers, as we've discussed. He also impacts unbelievers. He lives in us as believers, but he impacts unbelievers so they can see the truth. So then then the question becomes this. Well, how come people still reject if the Holy Spirit is working on them? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. It's a very good one, okay? I think the best way to answer that is looking at how people respond to conviction, or in other words, to sin. How they respond when they start to realize that they're sinning, they're doing something wrong, they miss the mark, how they respond to conviction. How they respond to conviction. So, kind of just off the top of my head, as I was reading and praying this week, you know, I came up with some ways that people respond to conviction. Now, I'll say some people explain conviction away, and here's how they do it that's not wrong. Who says that's wrong anyway? Is God really the judge? I mean, who makes the rules? There are many belief systems out there. How can we know this one is the right one? Or the very popular one that you've heard me say a lot lately, I have my own truth. Right? <laughs> they explain their conviction away. Okay? They might feel a little convicted, but they're like, well, I don't really know if this is wrong. Let me find somebody who says it's right. They go to Google. Oh, there's a guy. He says it's right. Oh, he happens to be a cult leader out in the Midwest. That's OK. Um, so here's the thing. Some people explain their conviction away. Some people play their conviction away. I have this convicting feeling, but I'm going to push it down, and I'm going to replace it with good times, with hobbies, with vacations, with recreation, all the things I love to do. I feel bad about this or that, but you know what? I'm going to replace it, and I'm going to play, okay? I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to forget about it. You ever go on a vacation? You, you love the vacation, right? You shut the phone down, you're away, and you know if anybody from work or anything even dares to text you're like, I can't even believe that person. I'm trying to get away from this. okay so here's the thing. we play the conviction away. Some people drink or drug the conviction away, right? I feel bad about something, so I'm going to numb this. I'm going to escape. I'm going to go and indulge in the drink or the drug or whatever it is to really just numb the pain. So they drink or drug the conviction away. Some people work the conviction away. I'm a good hard worker. I excel in my job. I'm a good citizen. Yeah, I might feel a little guilty about this, that, or the other thing that I've been doing that some people are saying is wrong. But you know what? I'm going to show everybody how good I am in hopes that that cancels out the conviction that I feel. If there's a God, I'm sure he'll notice, right? Some people spend the conviction away, right? If I had this or that, I'd be happy. I feel guilty. I feel weighed down. I feel something. But you know what? I'm just going to surround myself with stuff. Hot, or, you know, things that I can grab onto and, and, and like, you know, whether it be material like clothing or, you know, stuff to do your hobbies or a house or cars or whatever, they spend their conviction away. Some people, I'm going to say, watch their conviction away. This is a new phenomenon we have here, and I've, I've talked about this many times, right? We have this new phenomenon in our culture in which it's, it's socially acceptable to sit and watch TV all day. Okay, it's 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 socially so people turn on Netflix or whatever streaming service you have and they say, I am going to watch this series like today. Okay, (laughs) and they just watch that series all day. And here's what's going on. They're watching their conviction away. They're living vicariously through the characters on the TV shows they're watching or the movies they're watching and they're losing themselves and their real life and the things that they have to deal with in the shows that they are watching. And I'm not condemning watching TV, of course, but if you're using all that as an escape to deal with what you need to deal with in your real life, there's a problem. So right now, the Spirit is at work convicting the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment, and people are ignoring the truth. They're ignoring the truth of it by trying to fill their lives with other things so they don't have to deal with the conviction. So that's what you're dealing with when you're talking to your unbelieving family member or friend. You're dealing with somebody who is ignoring the conviction. If we can successfully ignore conviction, it's easy for us to reject God because it's like he's not there. It's like if we can ignore the conviction, we can ignore God. That's the way many people come to that's why many people come to know Jesus when they're down and out, because guess what? They tried all those things. They tried all those things, and then they said, "That didn't work, that 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 didn't work." That didn't work, that didn't work and it goes on. They're unhappy, unfulfilled. They're down and out, so they finally turn to Jesus. But others, they stay in darkness. They stay in darkness. Here's what John three nineteen says. And this is the judgment. This is Jesus talking. And this is the judgment. Light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. Some people will just stay in that holding pattern. Light is in the world. Jesus is here. I don't understand. When, when, I, when, I, when I talk to unbelieving people and they won't trust Jesus, and you know I'm not arm wrestling them for this, right? I'm just like, I don't get it. But you know what? They don't either, okay? They love the darkness so much. They don't even know it. You you love the darkness. I'm like, no, I don't, okay? They don't realize it. They don't realize it. But this is what's going on. This is the people that we deal with day in and day out. So fire brings light. The next is fire brings warmth and comfort. Last week, we learned about the decision-making, and we learned that the Holy Spirit at the point when we when all systems are pointing to what decision we have to make right the holy spirit brings us peace brings us that comfort this comforts us i wish every decision and everything we had to do in life was easy i wish everything every decision everything we had to do in life was easy but we all know that it's not and for some life is very difficult for some of you here your life is very difficult but the spirit brings comfort and the way he does that is through helping us. You know, you might be really struggling with something, and, and you might even have a hard time putting words to your struggle. Well, Romans eight twenty six says the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for. We do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I don't really fully understand this, but this is what the Spirit does for us. Groans for us, in, not in words, but just helps us, comforts us, brings that warmth, brings that comfort. The Spirit it's, it is, is God. So this is what God does. When, when everything else doesn't make sense, and it seems like there's no good options, okay, there's no really good, like tying this up. This is, you know, very practical when you lose somebody, right? You can't bring them back, okay? So you don't know what to do, right? Well, the Spirit is there to bring warmth and comfort. Finally, as in regards to fires, fire spreads. What we see next is the way in which the fire, known as the Holy Spirit, spreads the message of the gospel. Obviously, usually when we think of fire spreading, that's a negative, right? Okay, you know, something's on fire, we're like, oh no, and it just spreads. Well, this is the positive, because the Holy Spirit spreads the message of Jesus in a miraculous way. And next, what we're gonna see is like, Really, an amazing miracle of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to read some passages here, and then we're going to talk about it. Okay, so we're back to Acts 2, verse 5 through 8. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. So basically, everybody's here in Jerusalem. There's people from all over the known world at that time. And at the sound, the multitude came together. They were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying not all these who are speaking, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? So what is seen here? Now all of a sudden there's this group of people, there's this group of Galileans starting with 120, The Spirit comes and fills them, okay? They receive the Holy Spirit, and now all of a sudden, the other people around from all different places in the known world are now hearing the works of God or the gospel of Christ in their own language. In their own language. So then it goes on and says this. Parthians and Medes, Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judah and Cappadonia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Now this is a spiritual phenomenon here of speaking in tongues. Now, there's three important things to note here with these tongues. First, the tongues were a work of the Spirit. Okay, the tongues were a work of the Spirit. It's a miracle of the Spirit. Second, it was for the purpose of spreading the gospel. Third, it was in languages that are understandable to the people hearing. So somebody in that crowd understands what is being said. Now, many of you know that there is a debate in the Christian community about tongues. And I'll just tell you this. The debate will not be solved here, but I'm going to tell you what I believe about the, the gift of speaking in tongues. In 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, Paul teaches the church about the spiritual gifts. The gift of tongues comes up. Paul says a few things. I can't get into everything, but Paul says a few things. He says, there's many different languages in the world, and none of those have no meaning. He says that. He says there's many different languages in the world. None of those have no meaning. If someone were to be speaking in a different tongue as a spiritual gift, someone in the church must interpret it. Okay, So that means somebody must understand it. Meaning a tongue is for someone else to understand so God gets the glory because it brings people to him. So in light of the passage in Acts that we're studying today, we can see that the gift of tongues was for the purpose of building up the church, not personal edification, okay? Paul further goes on to condemn people babbling words that no one can understand, then attributing it to a language only between them and God, but is practice in front of other people. You get that? It's they're saying it's only between me and God but I'm doing it in front of other people and nobody understands it okay if you study this a little bit more and I have when I was in school I have after I was in school if you look there's religious phenomenon in even non-christian in non-christian belief systems the phenomenon of like this like religious babble okay so Then we have to ask the question, is this something to be practiced for believers? Well, let's think about what happened here. I think there's 15 different regions represented. Here is an interesting theological observation. In Genesis chapter 11, the account of the Tower of Babel. Remember that? Remember that? Okay. They were disobedient to God, and what did God do? He confused their language. They couldn't understand each other. Okay, which, brought, which separated people. It separated people from one another. So now here we land in Acts chapter 2. All these people start to hear the gospel in their own language. And what does it do? Brings people together. Okay, The Holy Spirit brings people together. He doesn't divide people, so he brings people together. So now people can communicate and hear the gospel ultimately in their own language. Ultimately brings unity to the church. So as believers today, we are unified by the Holy Spirit, which makes us children of God and people who belong to his church. Like I said, the debate's not going to be settled here, but I just want to explain to you exactly my view, and I believe the entire church's view, the leadership's view, of how we interpret the speaking in tongues. So now this section concludes with two responses. So this big event happens, right? The section concludes with two responses of people. And I believe there's many parallels to the way people respond to the things of God when we tell them about who Jesus is. Or they come to church and hear a message about who Jesus is. They come to a Bible study or a program. So people respond in a few different ways, but there's two specific ones that they respond in here. It says this and all were amazed and perplexed saying to one another what does this mean what does this mean first many are interested right and they want an explanation how could this be happening what's going on you know many people that we cross paths with they're going to be interested in spiritual things they're going to have questions those are the people that we get to spend some time with they're not arguing And maybe even if they are a little skeptical, maybe if they are arguing, just know they're asking a question. What does this mean? Like, I see something different in you. I see you living by a different way. Your moral compass is different than everybody else I know. You say different things. You believe different things. You are trying to please someone you're calling your God. So this is a big part of spreading the gospel, right? Just answering questions. Talking to people. You might have people in your life right now that you've been talking to for 15 or 20 years. Keep doing it, okay? Keep answering those questions. Keep praying for them. Keep asking. Like, they have that interest. Sadly, though, the second response is this. But others mocked and said, They're filled with new wine. (laughs) They basically were seeing the people that were speaking in tongues and stuff and saying, these people must be drunk. Peter is going to deal with it next week. And he says, like, it's nine in the morning. They're not drunk yet. okay? so basically what's happening here is there's always going to be people that mock. People that think we're simple-minded. In this culture, I don't know if you realize this, but this is happening more and more. If you listen to any type of Christian podcast, leadership podcast, and stuff like that, we have officially, in the United States, turned the corner to being a post-Christian nation. We've officially turned the corner, okay? COVID was kind of like the nail in the coffin. Churches are back to 60 to 70% of what their attendance were. People are not making it important. It's not a priority. Everything else in life is a priority besides church. Do I believe that Satan used the pandemic? Of course, okay? But that was just kind of like the nail in the coffin. So now you and I, we're in a big minority, okay? We're in a minority that we believe something that others will mock. They'll say we're simple-minded. They say we believe in fairy tales. They'll say we reject science. This is par for the course. Jesus actually says, guess what, guys? They hated me first, okay? They hated me first. So how we respond to them is very important, okay? Maybe they mock. I'm not gonna mock back. We can't get discouraged. We shouldn't fight back. We shouldn't mock this is not going to be helpful. We need to know that the Holy Spirit is the one working on them. They're not rejecting us as much as they are rejecting who God is, the God who loved them, the God who served them, the God who died for them. So our job is to continue to pray, continue to be a good witness, continue to ask the Holy Spirit to convict the people of their sin, pray that once they try all those other things, that you're still right there to say, hey, you know, I know you tried those other things, but here I am. You know, I'm here to help you and to point you to who Jesus is and what he's done. Next week, we're going to pick up with Peter, addressing all these people and how they respond and how God adds to the number of those who believe on that day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. We're thankful for each person that's here. We're thankful, Lord, that you chose us to respond to your Holy Spirit the way that we did. Lord, it's not because we're better than anybody, wiser than anybody, more uh, witty than anybody else, but Lord, we responded because we realized that your way was the way of truth and your Holy Spirit convicted us and opened our, our eyes to who you are and what you've done. We pray for those that are going to be around us this week. We pray, Lord, that you would just help them to understand who you are and what you've done through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.